1: Hey, everybody. It is Drags. Mike Petralia once again coming at you on the CLNS Media Network with another episode of Red Sox Beat. This week, Alex Barth of 98.5, the Sports Hub, is back. Sit, go, sign, and all baseball cap on. Uh, Ready to uh, talk a little Trevor Story uh, joining the uh, Boston Red Sox this week. Heim Bloom, Alex finally made the big splash Red Sox fans were hoping for in terms of signing a free agent who could really help uh, the Red Sox offensively right handed bat. Of course, he fills a need on the infield, though it's not his natural position. He's never played second base, but we're going to find out if he can play second base with the Boston Red Sox as Xander Bogarts stays at home at shortstop. So Trevor story signs six years $140 million. That's $22.5 million AAV. And there is a seventh year option that kicks in if the Red Sox choose to do so by the fourth year of his contract. They pick up the option and it extends to seven years and $160 million. But Trevor Story on board with Boston Red Sox. I like the deal. How about you?
0: Yeah, I really do. And I, I like it from a, a number of different angles. I like the short term impact. I like the long term impact. I thought the contract itself was very team friendly. You mentioned the money compared to what some of these other guys got, right? You look at Carlos right. Correa. So this is the move Red Sox fans have been waiting for. I think they've been waiting for since Mookie Betts got traded, right? It was all right, you're going to dip back below the CBT. You're going to reset that penalty and then come back out swinging. And we were all waiting for the swing, and here it is. So uh, it was good to see. It it seemed like it wasn't going to happen for a little bit there. Guys were, were, were flying off the board left and right, and there were only a couple of those marquee free agents left. But, you know, whether you sign a March 1st or or March 20th, the guy's still going to be in the lineup opening day, so it all worked out.
1: Yeah, and uh, let, let's admit the fact that Trevor Story came, uh, is coming off a bit of a down year in 2021 uh, compared to his normally very high standards. He batted just 251. Uh, with a 103 OPS plus. However, he did produce his third season with at least 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases. This is a guy that can do it all and uh, is really a solid glove uh, in the infield.
0: Yeah, and that down year, I mean, Colorado was an absolute mess last season. He was dealing with trade requests pretty much or, or trade rumors pretty much throughout the season. That's not easy. You know, sometimes we forget about the human element to these things. When you're waking up every morning and seeing, oh, you might have to move to Boston tomorrow. You might have to move to New York tomorrow. You might have to move to San Francisco tomorrow. Like, that, that's that's going to impact you. So I think a change of scenery is ultimately going to be good after that down year. The bigger concern for me is, that, you know, there are some reports out there that he might have some elbow issues. But, you know, the move to second base, you feel like that will help with that. You're asking less of his arm. He's right. also had an offseason now to rest. So. I'm not too worried about the down year. Uh, I think all in all, they still got an elite, elite shortstop at top. You know, if he's not top five, not a top five shortstop in the game, he's six. So, yeah, I, I'm not too worried about. I think the the upside is is just tremendous here.
1: Jen McCaffrey uh, of the Athletic kind of lines out what a projected lineup. Uh, would be for Alex Cora's Boston Red Sox, at least to start the 2022 season. Enrique Hernandez, Kiki Hernandez uh, leads off batting. Uh, sorry, leads off and plays center field. Trevor Story would be in. Come on, the have, have
0: some fun with this tracks. So give me like, like you're your, like your announcing it on the broadcast or something. Let's put some energy to this. All right. All right. Batting leadoff.
1: I forget Kiki Hernandez is number six, right? Or five. Batting five, leadoff, five, yeah. wearing number five, your center fielder, Enrique Hernandez, batting second, the second baseman, Trevor Story, number as of yet, um, undetermined, no, but we're we'll, we going to he award,
0: it's 27? Nope, nope, because that's retired, it's Carlton Fisk.
1: Oh, of course, oh my God, So we will of have course it's retired, go ahead. What number?
0: No, I was 27 he was 27 it was retired. We don't know yet.
1: yeah, we do not so, know. So why did you interrupt yeah. me? why did you, I was
0: on a roll and I did I because you out. said it's you you asked if it was going to be 27. I was answering your question.
1: okay um yeah, I did sorry i'm I'm yelling at you like I'm used to doing and I shouldn't I should be kinder to you, Alex um batting third, the third baseman Raphael Devers batting cleanup Xander Bogarts shortstop Uh, batting fifth uh, the DH for now JD Martinez batting sixth left fielder Alex Verdugo I've gone back into my uh, more that's fine uh, traditional read Uh, (laughs) batting seventh the first baseman Bobby Dahlbeck who I have big expectations for this year Uh, batting eighth The catcher, Christian Vasquez, and batting ninth right fielder, Jackie Bradley Jr. It's a pretty decent lineup. Uh, I certainly like the middle of the lineup uh, more than anything else, uh, really, from story on down through Alex Verdugo and even Bobby Dahlbeck, who I think can give them a lot of power. Uh, What do you think of that lineup?
0: Honestly, my biggest question is why Jackie Bradley Jr. is not in center? And I I don't know that Kike Hernandez is going to play right, but I would go, and this is a minor thing, right? But if this is the biggest problem they have, that's great. I would go Jackie Bradley in center, Kike Hernandez in left, Verdugo in right, he's played out there before. I just think Jackie Bradley Jr. knows center field at Fenway. We've seen him be electric out there. It's a minor tweak. Besides that, I I really like it. Uh, I'm not as high on Dalvik as you are. I think that becomes Cassis eventually, but it's the same idea. You're going to get a lot of power from that spot. I wouldn't be surprised if Verdugo ends up moving up Martinez ends up getting moved back later in the season. But again, these are minor tweaks overall. This is a great lineup.
1: um, I know we're going to talk more about Trevor's story, but Kiki Hernandez, I think is more comfortable in center field. Jackie Bradley has played both right field and center field. And I think you keep Kiki Hernandez in center field in a position he's more comfortable with, especially at Fenway park and at Fenway Park, as you know, right field is the tougher of the outfield positions than center field is, and right field, you have to really cover a lot more ground, True. and that's the one thing uh, JBJ does an incredible job of. He gets a, as good a first read and as good of a first uh, step jump on any ball hit the, as any outfielder in Major League Baseball, in my humble opinion.
0: Yeah, and and then the one other thing I wonder about that is, I would assume that's the lineup versus right-handed hitters you still pitchers, is jackie bradley yes. jr or right-handed pitchers is jackie bradley jr going to be an everyday player is he going to be a platoon player you know the fourth outfielder right now is jaron duran who's also a lefty so that you know we'll talk about a little later with the with the ensuing moves are after story i still would like to see them add a right-handed outfield bat to platoon jackie bradley jr if they need to
1: all right let's move back to uh trevor's story and- Uh, Another angle of this story uh, that is, uh, no pun intended, that is interesting to me, uh, is Bloom because he said in March of 2021, he really wasn't going to make a move uh, unless it really made sense within the payroll structure and made uh, sense uh, within the organizational structure, meaning bringing in a big name free agent. He wasn't going to do that. But this was a situation where the situation presented itself. And when you take a look at the other shortstops um, in the marketplace uh, that the Red Sox had to uh, consider, at least, um, beyond Carlos Correa, C- Corey Seager, Javi Baez, and Marcus Simeon all signed before the lockout with uh, and signed multi, large multi-year deals before the lockout. So they were off the market. So I think the Red Sox had to kind of wait and see. where Carlos Correa was going to go before they really went all in on, uh, on Trevor story. You agree with that kind of that rationale, that strategy?
0: Yeah. And I would think story probably wanted to wait too, right. To see what that market was going to be. No, no sense in signing the deal before the top of the market is ultimately set, which is what Correa did with his record breaking contract. So yeah, I, you know, I think people give high and bloom crap, and really, you know, it's it's more of a reflection of the organization as a whole than Bloom. But, you know, people call them the small market Red Sox, the Tampa Red Sox, whatever. Yeah, that, I, however, the Boston get rid race. of that
1: tag. That's that's a yeah, silly I, moniker. Silly. Go ahead.
0: I, I think there's a difference between being smart about how you go about your business like you don't just want to sign players to sign players and throw money after nothing right so right. have they maybe been a little frugal at times the last few years absolutely uh but you kind of see now the bigger picture of it if they go out right and they spend money on you know co- complementary pieces ancillary pieces the last few years does the opportunity for this deal present itself probably not. Um, we'll see if they keep spending after this. I think they do still have a couple of those complimentary needs now that, you know, you add a guy like story, you may only have him with Bogarts for one year. I would load up now and spend all that money now. But I think that this, this kind of puts to bed the, 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 the Tampa Red Sox narrative.
1: I want to get to a story that uh, Chad Jennings, when we're talking about Heim Bloom, that Chad Jennings had in The Athletic. He writes on um, Monday. It was almost a year ago, almost to the day that Bloom sat outside the Red Sox spring training facility in Florida and talked about doing something like this. He wanted one day to be the type of executive who makes a splash and insisted he would be that guy willing to spend and willing to commit when the time was right. But until Sunday, those were just words, a vague promise, a theory without much proven fact. Well, now we have the proven fact.
0: Yeah. And again, it, it kind of goes back to what I said. He wasn't just going to make the big move to dispel all the high and blue not make a big move talk, right? He was going to wait for right. the right one. And this was the right one.
1: And now, uh, one major league source tells uh, Chad Jennings that it's a perfect fit. I love the move. and then. Uh, Chad chimes in why perfect because story in theory strikes a balance between Bloom's wide angle lens and his in the moment opportunity. And although story played only shortstop in Colorado and played it to generally positive reviews, I think that's a little conservative. I think he was very good at shortstop. Uh, The Red Sox plan to play him at second base, a positional fit that lets Kike Hernandez stay in center field. As we mentioned, where he thrived last year, Xander Bogart stay at shortstop and Christian Arroyo shift to the utility role, which I think is a perfect role for uh, Christian Arroyo. That makes the Red Sox, yes, better here and now. Uh, Story is the right-handed bat to replace the traded Hunter Renfro, and he's proven uh, the glove to fill the most glaring hole in the infield. It's perfect. So if it all works out and he stays healthy, I think this is uh, the perfect fit uh, for the Red Sox. But it's interesting. One more angle of this story that is very, very interesting to me, Alex, is the insurance it gives the Red Sox should Xander Bogarts decide to opt out after this year and go elsewhere and get more money, which is totally his prerogative. Uh, he can do right. that, or he can do that, and the Red Sox don't get killed.
0: Right? Yeah, it's it, it's it's boosting the short term and long term. Basically, if Bogarts was going to opt out, you know they draft Marcelo Mayer last year. He's not going to be ready though for three or four years. So here's your bridge, right? Here's your bridge. Now you're set. The big, you know, for me, like the, the Red Sox I grew up with, right? They they had Nomar, and Nomar was the shortstop, and there were no questions about it. Nomar gets traded. And there was pretty much a revolving door for 10 years at that position. That's a very important position. You know, you went from Orlando Cabrera, uh, who else was in there? Um, Julio Lugo, Lugo, Nick Green, Edgar Renteria for a year, maybe two. Like, they didn't have a shortstop at all. And then Xander Bogarts comes in, and that's fixed, and now they have their their everyday shortstop, and it's been another 10 years, right? Like, no more. I don't think you want to go back to that revolving door at shortstop, nor should a franchise like the Boston Red Sox have a revolving door at a position like shortstop. So you avoid that situation after Bogart sleeves, because it probably was going to be by committee until Marcelo Mayer is ready because you're not going to sign anybody long term with one of the top prospects in baseball waiting in the wings. And then you're counting on Marcelo Mayer to work out. And if not, then who knows where you go. So I I think this is a great job. I know it's not quite like, you know, football, you have the quarterback, hockey, you have the goalie. I know it's a little different in baseball with the premium positions, right? Because elite players mm-hmm. can play anywhere on the field. But shortstop really is a premium position. A blue blood franchise like the Red Sox should have a star player in that spot. And now they've locked that up for at least another five years, you know, five, six, seven year stories contract. And then potentially for decades, if, if you go from Bogarts to Story, and then he could pass the baton to Mayor, right? So I, I I just love that element of it as it relates to Bogarts and the, the long-term outlook as a whole.
1: And, and then if Bogarts
0: stays, you have one of the best middle infields in baseball for five years, and that would that would be awesome. And then you still get Mayor next.
1: Right, and it's funny you say that because June Lee of ESPN.com reports that uh, sources close to Bogarts uh, – According to sources close to Bogarts, the shortstop currently plans on opting out of the contract after 2022. However, he hopes to remain in Boston and finish his career with the Red Sox. The three-time All-Star shortstop is also down the road, at least, open to moving to second or third base. So, um You know, that's interesting because we heard uh, last week how uh, intent, if you will, uh, Xander Bogarts is on playing shortstop. What did you think of those remarks? I mean, he clearly wanted to make it, um, you know, obvious and uh, with explicit that he wants to stay at shortstop. He has no plans right now in the prime of his career being in his late 20s, moving to either to second base or third base.
0: So we, we should clarify those comments are from October, right? That's pre-lockout and things can change. Well, but, no,
1: right. But uh, we correct. I, I see what you're saying. But right. I just,
0: just, you know, uh, but, but all of that being said, right. Bogar saying he wants to play shortstop. Why does he want to play shortstop right now? Because he's essentially a pending free agent and shortstops get paid more than second baseman and third baseman. Right. Once he gets, if he gets paid like a shortstop, I, I'd imagine that then it kicks in, and yeah, I'll play anywhere, right? He's getting that shortstop money. He doesn't care if he's playing second base, third base, what what have you. So, um, I, I still think he'd be open to returning. The, I you know the 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 speculation around this has basically been Bogarts is a Boris guy. Last time he was a free agent, he took a very team friendly deal. Scott Boris wasn't thrilled with that, and basically said, "Okay, you got yours. Next time the contract's up, I'm getting mine." And basically Boris, Boris wants to get paid. Boris wants to get paid for the caliber okay. of player Bogarts is.
1: Aren't you surprised more players don't fire their agents? Aren't you? I'm going to go off the off on a, a tangent little bit. Here. Yeah. It's just that agents manipulate and have so much power in the sports world. I mean, not just baseball, but all around. Like if a player wants to play someplace and is happy playing there, then, you know, And that's why you've seen in some cases, these players negotiate their own deal and they say, look, you know, if I, it means I'm, you know, forfeiting a couple of million bucks here or there, then I'll do that, uh, to play where I want to play and how I want to play. And, you know, and you don't pay the agent fee. So I don't know. I just, sometimes when I hear these, a hear the theory that the agent is unhappy with a deal because the player is happy with a hometown discount. I'm like, well, screw you. He's happy where he is. You know, he, you, he, you work for the player, not the other way around. And that, that is a very much a sore spot with me.
0: I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more, but you know, I think that, you know, Again, I don't know that that's true. I, that's just kind of been speculated. It lines up. It makes sense that basically the deal was fine. You'll sign. We'll, I'll get you this team-friendly deal, but you're going to opt out as soon as you can to make more. So, you know, maybe they're willing to pay him, though. Maybe they're, they really, if they pay, and these aren't small contracts. It's easier said than done. They pay Bogarts. If they pay Devers, they're kind of good at that point, right? I don't know that. Alex Verdugo, somebody you're locking up long term. Once no. his, once you're out of team control on him, right? Uh, they don't, you know. Jared Duran, we'll see what he ultimately becomes, but he's not trending that way. Um, I guess Tristan Casas. I'm going to say know, the, some of these contracts are off the book by then. So I, I don't know what they're going to do pitching wise, but it feels like if you pay Bogarts, you pay Devers. You now have Bogarts, Devers, and Story. Let's just say you have those three guys for five years, you're going to have the best infield in baseball for half a decade. You should be able to, that's where, that's where the Tampa Red Sox come in. That's where frugal high and bloom comes in and, and, and value hunting high and bloom comes in. And you use that to put the pieces around those three guys. That should be enough to win. That should. Now, I don't know if that's the way they'll go, but if I'm the Red Sox, that's what I'm doing. I'm paying my infield. I'm locking the infield up. You have Cassis on team control, rookie deal, et cetera. And then however the rest fills in, the rest fills in. We'll figure it out. We'll go hunt those value deals there.
1: He is Alex Barth. Does a great job covering Boston sports for 98.5 The Sports Hub. You can follow Alex, of course, on Twitter at real Alex Barth, all one word. Basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops, of course. And MLB is also back in business with spring training underway and opening day on April 7th. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. Head on over to the website or, as always, you can use our mobile devices or your mobile devices to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. That's CLNS50 zero to get started and it's not just basketball bet online is your source for hockey boxing and ufc odds from sports right down to your very favorite vegas casino games bet online is your number one online wagering destination bet online the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games bet online where the game starts back with alex barth of 98.5 the sports hub follow him on twitter at real alex barth um how are you doing in your brackets
0: so i i i had uh kentucky and yukon in the final four so you that idiot. that was gone seriously right
1: away. I, I i was within 30 minutes of each other i was screaming at the tv um the night of the selection Sunday before Tom Brady ruined it all. Um, I was screaming at the TV. Why is everybody on the UK bandwagon? If you've watched Kentucky and John Calipari's team all year long, very inconsistent, very talented, very skilled. It was a classic coach Cal team, right? Uh, they showed great promise, great skill, but you slow them down and you get them to think on the court and, uh, they were not as good in terms of playing, executing as St. Peter's. And I'm, I was not shocked by that. I mean, a lot of people obviously were, they had their brackets busted. I was like, "Mm, I I thought they'd beat St. Peter's I'm not going to sit here and say I had two uh, 15 over two, but there was no way that I had Kentucky going to, even to the final four, I just didn't see that team consistent enough.
0: I didn't know – see, I didn't know that St. Peter's plays defense like the early 2000s Pistons. Had I known that, I probably would have changed. I See, I I originally had had three Big East teams in, and then I was talked out of putting Providence in. But I still have Kansas. I still have Villanova. The other thing is – so then I made a joke bracket about – I did based on like players in the NFL draft, like which schools have the best players in the NFL draft. And that one was actually doing okay. That one was doing better than my real bracket until Alabama lost, which obviously is going to knock a bracket like that out. But, you know, that that one was kind of rolling.
1: You can see, by the way, the Villanova memorabilia over my uh, right shoulder. You can, correct?
0: I was not happy about that. I don't like Villanova. Colin Gillespie bugs me, but
1: I was going to ride the Biggies. He's going to ride the
0: Biggies. Because he keeps killing Providence and Yukon. And I wanted the I wanted the Providence Yukon Big East final. That was all I wanted. That would have been an amazing game. He took it from me.
1: <laughs> You're so bitter, so angry. Well, we've yes.
0: uh, spent a yes. good Also, Evan like Evan Lazar likes Colin Gillespie, so I'm instantly out.
1: Okay. Well, you know, Colin Gillespie will be a very good point guard for the Philadelphia 76ers. You do know that, okay. right? If he doesn't go yeah, to Boston sure. first. Sure yeah seriously uh anyway let's get back to baseball that's why supposedly people are tuning into this and subscribing (laughs) on the clns media network to the red sox beat which you should be doing uh we were talking the first half of this podcast about trevor's story what about the the big injury news of last week chris sale with a stress fracture in his right rib cage this concerns me because Uh, Not because I don't think Nathan Avaldi is a good starting picture. I do. I think he's a stud. He's a workhorse. I think he'll be very good at the top of the rotation. But it takes away half of their one-two punch at the top of the rotation. And Nick Pavetta, I think, will be very good. But then you've got a lot of question marks after that. And you've got a bullpen that, to me, hasn't rounded in the shape yet. And I think the Red Sox are going to take a good portion of spring training, even maybe a portion of uh, the start of the regular season to figure that out. You agree?
0: Yeah, I, the rotation is the biggest question mark to me right now. I think part of what makes it so tricky, though, is they have a number of guys that you don't know. Are, are they in the rotation? Or are they in the bullpen? Garrett Whitlock among them, Tanner Howell.
1: I think Tanner Houck is I think, gonna yeah, he's gonna be in the rotation. I don't, there's no question about that.
0: He should be, I think Whitlock should be too, especially now that you don't have sale. I just we we've look we've had this argument before, and I, I I think they're ultimately gonna put him in the bullpen. I think that's a waste. I think you saw how dominant he can be last year. It's not like he's honestly, it's it's not like he's Chris Sale, who was a closer in the big leagues for a number of years before he moved into the rotation, he was a starter. His whole time coming up through the minors. The whole bullpen thing last year was to manage his innings because he was coming off Tommy John. He was a Rule five guy. So they couldn't send him down and be careful with them. Give him like two, three inning starts here and there. He absolutely should be in the starting rotation for me. The starting rotation to open the season should be Ivaldi in whatever order, but Ivaldi, Pavetta, Hauk, Whitlock, and Waka. That those would be my starting five. And you go from there. If you need to, maybe you dip into the kids. Uh, Brian Mott is not going to be ready right away. Uh, Maybe if Winkowski comes out of the, out of the gates, really good to give him a shot. It sounds like he could be ready, but I would go with those five. This bullpen isn't good enough and it's not deep enough to use openers on a regular basis. If you have to use a guy here and there a couple times a month, fine. It's not good enough to have an opener spot in the rotation. It's not deep enough to have an opener spot in the rotation. If you have a guy that can throw six innings, you need him starting. You can't put him in the bullpen.
1: Well, here's the way I answer that. You didn't spend okay. five million dollars one year, albeit one year, five million dollars on Rick Hill, unless you didn't think that he could be in the back oh, end of your Rich bullpen. Hill. Well, what are you going to do? Wouldn't you rather have Rick Hill eat up some innings at the start of a game and have your bullpen strengthened by having Garrett Whitlock in the back end of the bullpen? I would. I mean, that makes much more sense to me than having Rich Hill eat up innings in the middle of a game, you know, or be, they didn't sign, they didn't spend, you know, no, you're right. Bloom, I,
0: they didn't I honestly spend $5 totally million about Rich Hill.
1: for Rich Hill to be a mop, a mop up guy.
0: Honestly, though, I would still put, I would still put, um, uh, Hauk in the bullpen over Whitlock. I just think Whitlock has that much upside. I really do. I think he has the potential to be a legitimate, like, top-tier, top-two starter in the league. I I, I do. And Houck's going to be a three, and that's fine. I would rather put Houck in the bullpen then. Houck also has that weird Chris Sale-like delivery. I'd rather limit his innings. So the other thing, I mean, if if we want to get really nuts with it, and this is honestly yes. how I feel. That's why
1: you're on. Go.
0: I would put Chris Sale in the bullpen when he comes back. I don't know that you're getting over 100 innings from him, right? And I'm not – it's it's basically you can have him start here and there, the and he's going to be idea, on the I've DL ever every of, couple starts, right? Now, and it's coming from me, so you'd think it would be, <laughs> yeah, you know. Would. Do you want to have him start two or three games in between a bunch of DL stints, pitch maybe ninety, hundred innings, right. or you can put him in the bullpen? He'll throw seventy, but you can manage him. He came up as a closer; he was never supposed to be a starter. That kind of happened by circumstance in Chicago, and then he was great at it. Look, it ultimately worked out, but at this stage in his career. And people say you can't you can't pay a closer that much money. Well, it's it, this is kind of where you're at at this point. Don't just throw him in the starting rotation, and have him break down because of his contract. I think he'd be a really good closer. I think that's ultimately getting the most bang for your buck. That's where I'd put him. And you know what? The other nice thing about that, you need a five out save, a six out save. Which remember, Matt Barnes was awful with last year. That was the biggest issue. If you wanted for the first half of the season before he fell apart, three right. outs easy. The second he needed to fake, you know, if he needed to come in the eighth, he imploded. Chris Sale will give you five, six outs as a closer. So I, you know, when we talk about the rotation, I don't think they'll do this. I think they'll put Sale in the rotation. I think Sale is going to demand they put him in the rotation. I would put him in the bullpen. I would make him the closer. Because they don't have a closer right now.
1: You know, it depends on where the Red Sox are when he is ready to return. I mean, if they are rolling along in the rotation, uh, there's nothing to suggest that Alex Cora wouldn't go to Chris Sale and suggest exactly what you're saying. Look, we want to work you back up. We don't want to spend your bullets in the minor leagues, and Chris Sale certainly doesn't want to do that. But we want to work you in and build your arm strength back up and obviously build your body back to 100%. Um, We would like to do that in a controlled environment of uh, the bullpen where if something goes wrong, you can get another reliever up pretty quick and get them into the game and get Sale out of there. Whereas if he's starting, um, it's a lot harder to do that. So I think uh, there is a lot to be said for that. Um, I just think there are a lot of options for uh, the Red Sox to go in terms of replacing Chris Sale's innings. But my concern is the quality of those innings and the length and how much you know the starters, knock. if they don't get long into games, how much is that going to tax a bullpen that... Is it, I think in some ways the bullpen's a bigger question mark than the starting rotation, Alex.
0: Well, again, it goes back to how does, how does it all balance out, right? If Whitlock and Houck are both in the bullpen, I probably feel better about the bullpen than the starting rotation, right? It goes to, there's all these guys that we don't know where they're ultimately going to end up. Um, But yeah, the back end of the bullpen is scary because unless Whitlock's going to be the closer, which again, I don't think they would do because if he's in the bullpen, he needs to be that, what did they call it? The, the role Andrew Miller had with Cleveland, the, the um, opener?
1: No, uh,
0: no, no, no. Remember they bring him in to do like six, seven, eight in the playoffs. It's long relief, but there was some name when, when he was doing it. And that was, that was going to be the next lugie. big thing. No, but everybody Those thought it was going to revolution. Obviously. Everybody thought it was going to revolutionize the game. You, you take your best reliever who can throw multiple innings. You have him throw six, seven, eight bridge to bridge. It was a bridge guy. Oh, right. um, and, and basically you only need five from your starter. As long as you have a good closer, this guy can eat up innings in the middle of close games. That's what you want Whitlock doing. I don't think they make him the closer if they put him out there. I don't feel great about Matt Barnes after the way last year ended. Um, I Josh Taylor. Don't. Nope. Josh Taylor's dealing with the back issue. Sawamora is a fine middle innings pitcher. And, you know, he, he's a good guy to have on the roster, but he's not your closer. I don't know. Am I missing somebody like that? Is it Ryan Brazier? I don't think so. They don't have a closer. They simply don't have a closer. I know I'm missing somebody, but.
1: Oh, well, I think they have a closer in Garrett Whitlock, but you don't want to hear that.
0: Well, even if he's in the bullpen, I'd rather have him doing the, the six, seven, eight thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not Garrett Whitlock should throw more than 70 innings. If Garrett Whitlock throws just 70 innings, he wasted them.
1: I disagree with that because if those 70 innings come in, you know, 45 wins or something like that, or 50 wins, you're not wasting the guy, Alex. I,
0: mean, I just, I, I think he's, well, look at, you know, so it's funny because I make this argument, right? And then I say, well, they say, well, then who's the closer? I say, Chris sale. Chris sales too good of a pitcher to put him in the bullpen. You don't take a picture of that quality and put him in the bullpen. <laughs> I'm telling you Garrett Whitlock can be a legitimate major league top two starter. So which one is it? Either we're not putting pictures of that quality in the bullpen or you need a good arm at the back end of the bullpen. So just put somebody there. Who's a good arm, regardless of what number, what letters are next to them on the roster and what their contract is like that. That's the argument I'd make. If Garrett Whitlock's going to be the closer, then there's no reason Chris sale can't be the closer. And if it's between the two of them, Chris sales probably a better closer than Garrett Whitlock.
1: By the way, we should probably talk about the fact that the Red Sox haven't lost in spring training yet.
0: One ninety-two and zero. Uh, they're on pace to go one ninety-two and zero.
1: Um. Well, one eighty-one. I think if I'm reading
0: this. Well, no, if you include spring training.
1: Right. There's 162 games in the regular season, Alex.
0: 100. I, I did this math. I'm right. 162.
1: Oh, go ahead. Plus
0: 19 in spring training.
1: Is what? Plus... No, I'm not including the, the postseason. You're including oh, the postseason. I was including
0: the postseason. Oh, okay, I was including okay. the postseason. Yes. No, yes.
1: 181 and 0 is still on the table. Okay. But if you want to go that far, then that would
0: be uh, look. If eight... they go 181 and 0 and then they lose a postseason game, that's gonna be a major disappointment. <laughs> imagine they go one they imagine they go 162 and 0 and then they lose to a wildcard team in the first in the first game. Even if they win the series, just losing that game would be so bizarre. Uh by the so way, I'm all in on 192 and 0 On
1: Monday, Michael Walker made his Red Sox debut, uh, getting the start going a full three innings. Bad news is he gave up uh, four hits in his three innings of work while also issuing a walk. Uh, Good news is all four were singles. He did a good job getting ground balls to work out of trouble. Each of his first two innings included uh, double plays. Look, Michael Walker was signed to be the fourth or fifth starter, right? I mean, we don't have huge expectations, but if they can get five, to six innings, a start out of Michael Walker. They're going to be thrilled.
0: Yeah, it's like Rich Hill. I mean, he's there to sit at the back end of that rotation and, hey, you know, bullpen had a tough day the day before. Just get a six. Get a six, even seven if you can, and you move on from there. So I'm not going to put stock into Michael Walker struggling in spring training's first start and who knows how long, right? Just eat the innings. That's what he's here for. That's what he needs to do.
1: Um. Ryan Fitzgerald left the yard with a solo home run. Two home runs yes. for Ryan Fitzgerald. What do you know about him, Alex?
0: What I know is that he was born on June 17th, 1994. He's an American baseball utility player. I'm just reading his Wikipedia page. Um No, I think, you know, he's a utility about, guy. I mean, right. Let's be No, I, I'll I'll say this. I think the Red Sox have those players are valuable they're not as easy to come by as it seems because I think the Reds, as much as it seems to Red Sox fans, because I think the Red Sox do a great job of making sure they have those players at their disposal, starting with Brock Holt, but then you get to, to Christian Arroyo, Jonathan Ara is one. So I don't think you can have too many of those guys. I really don't. I, agree. I think, you know, they're, they're valuable assets and, you know, if if Arroyo gets hurt, Arauz, whatever, you know, knowing that there's somebody else in the pipeline, and I'm not going to lie to you and say I was all in on Ryan Fitzgerald before uh, this began, he was undrafted, which if you know anything about the baseball draft is just absurd. Um, but no, if he's going to start hitting and he's going to start playing well, that's that's good to know because it adds depth at a spot where it's important to add depth. By the way, he's also a big East guy, Tracks played for Creighton.
1: Oh, really? Oh, that's great. Yeah, Creighton so has go. actually a very a- – as they are in the city of the College World Series, Omaha, as you know. Omaha, yeah. Nebraska. That's where Creighton Yeah, I should have asked you where Creighton is located. I bet you wouldn't have known. Or would you?
0: Did no, you know? I know. I know. I, come on. I watch Big East basketball. Yeah.
1: You knew Creighton was in Omaha, Nebraska.
0: I could probably, if we want to go through all the Big East schools, I could probably rattle off the cities for all of them.
1: Yeah, but most of them. <laughs> Yeah,
0: I, I, I'll give you that uh, again. Yes, obviously Providence, whatever, but like Butler. Zader, Zeno, Butler is in Indianapolis. DePaul. DePaul is in Chicago.
1: Very good. And the others are easy. Marquette, you've got to know where Marquette is.
0: It's in Milwaukee. Yes. Very yep. good.
1: Um, and, uh, obviously you grew up in new England, so this has been an interesting podcast, huh? (laughs)
0: This has been fun. This has been fun. I've enjoyed this.
1: Yeah, I I have too. And, and, and I threw in some abuse of Alex Barth to, um, spice it up a little bit season. Like my chicken, my chicken on the grill last night, I seasoned it with (laughs) a little barbecue of Alex Barth. How's that? I guess that works. Sure. Yeah, whatever. I'm having fun. You're having fun. I want to thank everybody for downloading today's podcast. Thank our great guest from 98.5, the sports of the one and only Alex Barth. Follow him on Twitter at Real Barth, all one word. Also want to thank our great sponsor, as always, BetOnline.ag. For Alex Barth, I'm Mike Petralia, and this has been the Red Sox Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media.